This is the Packer and Durham Podcast, Hour One. Packer and Durham. It is a Tuesday. The lucky number is 6.05, and we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Guess on Sirius XM Channel 371. There's an assortment of other radio stations as well that are tied in to the Packer and Durham program. Number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. Everybody is here. Chester Fuller, of course, the stars. My yeah. partner's back off the links. We got Ron. We got Robert. I saw Otto earlier today. Yeah. Out in the Christmas decoration room. He is good to go. Twisted greens we're wearing today. Twisted greens? Like you're wearing some olive type green. And well, I'm wearing some... You're wearing the official Packer and Durham Masters Champion green. Congratulations. <laughs> Masters you. Champion. Thank you. Thank you very much. 17-time Georgia Hall of Famer and now Masters no, Champion. 21-time no. Georgia. No. no. What's the number again? 11. Masters Champion. No. <laughs> you're going to add that to the resume when we put your name up there? After I play paddle ball on the 18th hole? And putting. Dude, I don't care about all that. All, all I know is you got the jacket. Scotty Scheffler, boy. My man. What? All of us picked the world's number one player. I, I got to tell you, and I said this yesterday while you were linking it. Yeah. Um, Our picks were terrible. Our picks were I mean, But did we, I win? You you won almost by default because Brooks had a miscut. With oh, Kepka. you got to pick players that make the cut. You got to make the cut. I had a miscut with Sink. Here you go. And so, uh, actually... Ives was in great shape. He was kind of like the Tar Heels on Monday night in New Orleans until Berger shot 44 on the back nine Sunday. What? 4-4, four, four, David Thompson. Daniel Berger went 44 on the back? Yeah, on the that last Sunday. not good. And hence, your four-shot uh, lead for the win. <clears throat> if Berger just shoots 40, uh, we got ourselves a ball game. I'd like, congratulations on your Masters thank you. championship. I'd like, Victor, I'd like to congratulate Victor Hovland for playing right at the cut line on Friday. He did. Oh, my gosh. You got to make the cut in this tournament. You do have to make the cut. So, thank you very much. I'd like to thank the the club, the chairman, Mr. Chairman, members of the club. <clears throat> anyway. Congrats. Thanks. Master's Appreciate it. Champion. What do I win for that? You're wearing it. <laughs> You're twisted green. My twisted green. We can't green. afford a blazer, so we got this you a twisted green. My broken tea society broken shirt tea. from That's the golfer's journal. Come on, Kind of perfect. Yeah. Uh, good to see you. Everything all right? Yeah, life's good, man. Yeah, appreciate Drew Carter. Did a good job. Hanging out yesterday. Yeah, Drew. Versatile. Good guy. Yep. Um, winner of the Jim Nance Award. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, Drew's name. Big what's, deal. What's he won the, the Jim Nance Award? The Jim Nance Award is presented. How many times have you won that? I have not won that. I'm not eligible. Why is that? Because you're the president of the too club? too old. I'm too old. What do you mean you're too the old? The Jim Nance Award is presented annually by Sportscasters Talent Agency of America in conjunction now, with who the, are those guys? That's John Chelesnick out in San Diego, Wait California. Wait a minute. I thought you Tell were you what, the, you hang around this industry a little bit. I'll teach you some I things. don't like any of these guys. I mean, seriously. I, I'm, they have Hall of Fames, too? You in any of those? No, STAA does not have a Hall of Fame. Oh, you, what are they again? STAA? Yeah. That's what you call them? Well, that's the name of the organization. STAA. Well, John Chelesnick out in San Diego, California, cobbles together – Entries. In fact, they're accepting applications now for the top college broadcaster of the year. Wow. Who and knew? And Drew Carter is a former Jim Nance award winner. I wish I knew that yesterday. Yeah. We'd had Nance call in. Well, yeah. Jim Jim has graciously 
every year either been there in person to uh, have a photo made and speak on behalf of the award or uh, send something to each winner every year. Oh, yeah, you need to ask about that. STAA, John Chelesnick, in conjunction with the National Sports Media Association, presents the Jim Nance Award, of which Drew Carter is a past winner. Hmm. And now... Lucky us, a part of ACC Network. How about that? There Did not go. know the, uh, never have heard of the STAA. Yeah, Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. So that's why you haven't won that award yet. Well, I'm not eligible. They created the award long after Can they I go got out of retro? college. Can they go retro? No. Elon, best of? No, 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 no. That's, that's, we've I mean, got when a, you're, listen, when you're the 22-time Georgia Hall of Famer no. and current <laughs> Masters champion, 20, I mean, really, you don't need the STAA Jim yeah. Nance Award. 22, right. Jim Nance gave me a T-shirt once. Does that count? No. I've had dinner with him once. Does that, that count? No, that doesn't. No, nor the breakfast a year ago. Yeah, where he pulled out <laughs> his picture of the picture of the burnt piece of toast and yeah. says, "This is how I like my this toast." This is how I like my toast. No. I swear to God, it's a true story. So, what'd you get in the box? I got a, a gift yesterday. I've not opened it. I just opened the top. All right. Sure. But I got to be careful with it. See that it says fragile. fragile. What does that say on the side? It says uh, contains alcoholic beverages. Adult signature required. It says here, do not deliver to an intoxicated person. So I told the UPS guy. <laughs> that's what it says right there. That's exactly what it says. So I told the guy, I said, listen, i got to do a radio show in a couple hours. Could you circle the parking lot and come back in about a half an hour? I'll sign for it. What? I don't ever recall saying do not deliver to an intoxicated What does it say right there, then, big man? Do not time. deliver to an intoxicated person. No driver or shipper release allowed. That's right. So I told the guy, circle in Boy, there about a half an be, hour. I said, I got to do a serious XM show. If you think I do that thing sober, you're out that of your mind. That must be something special so in this I've box. I've not looked in the box. Okay. I just opened up the top because I was like, well, first of all, let me tell you. Who's it from? from. Uh, oh, we got to put you know, the spectacles on. When you're on. getting old, you can't. Unless it's in Braille, I got no shot. Um, <laughs> Kevin Pickell. Kevin. From Lipman Brothers in Nashville, Tennessee. Do we know Kevin? I don't know Kevin. I don't know Kevin. Maybe it's somebody else, Kevin, shipping it on their behalf. Nope, to Mark Packer. And it says, please have him sign it. And that's hence the reason for the UPS sticker. Intoxicated person. Look, the boys think The only thing I can think of is. Oh, my God. Just south of Nashville is the Jack Daniels factory, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Oh, my. There you go. Is there more? Oh, my God, there's more. Huh. Hold on. Huh. Ballard County, Kentucky. O.H. Ingram. If it's from Kentucky, you know it's good. If it's from Kentucky and it's brown, it's going to be good. Look at this. Here's another one. A lot of small bottles in a big well, old box. Well, I'm ready for football season. Whoa, hey, 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 hold on. I got straight bourbon whiskey. That's What's straight whiskey right there. Straight whiskey. That's got, little, that's got a little different tint to it. A little 96 in that. Look at this one. What do we got? <laughs> straight rye whiskey. All of a sudden, it's like Baskin Robbins of I'll bourbon. Tell you what. <laughs> this is straight bourbon and whiskey right here. There you go. Look at this. You'd almost get a sense there's a theme to the show. Yeah, you might. You might want to think that. I appreciate uh, the gifts. My goodness. They'll, they'll come in handy. Literally. Look at that, huh? Huh? Look at that. Big how's, time. How's that going? Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Kevin. You have a nice job. Yeah. Word's kind of gotten out about us, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you would think that the sales department, ESPN, no. might want to look into a... 
a bourbon sponsorship for this fine program. No, NIL, man. We're NIL. I, I can tell you right now, I'd go sell that in about 10 seconds. Yep. Just saying. So. Appreciate uh, that, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Thank you. That's great. That was worth the signature. Tell you, <laughs> it does say for sample use only on the back. Uh, does it say on air or not? No. no. Doesn't, doesn't clarify whether it's what would on the, or off. Uh, what would the STAA do? Uh, they probably discourage on-air sampling. Well, I think just perhaps the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> depending on depending on whose tape they're listening to. Yeah, right? that would be true. Um, by the way, yesterday I tell you, I'll say this: yes, sir. Drew Carter picked a bad day to take a day off because he could have had half he those. Could have had he could have had those. That, yeah, he could have tried to get those through the American Airlines uh, oh, detectors boy. on his way back to Hartford. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, thanks to my friend, longtime friend Tony Barnhart in Atlanta yesterday. Uh, I got to spend the day with Heisman Trophy winner Danny Werfel, Georgia Tech's only three-time football All-America, Randy Rhino, and the great Jimmy Robinson yesterday. We were playing in the Honduras Outreach International event at St. Ives. So thanks to those guys. St. Ives? I thought we were the only ones with St. Ives. No, St. Ives Country Club in Atlanta. Oh, nice. So anyway, had a good time. That beats working, doesn't it? That did beat working. Every day of the week? Yep. So uh, thanks to those guys. Uh, had a big time and got to see a lot of folks. Folks said, tell you hello. There we go. There's me and Werfel with Jimmy Robinson, Randy Rhino on the far left. Look at those hoodlums. Yep. Tough group right there now. A lot of sunglasses out there, boy. How many so, foot wedges we get in that group? No, no. It was a straight scramble yesterday. No foot wedges needed. Oh, that's good. No, yeah. no foot wedges needed? No, no. Everybody really. had a good lie all day? Well, yeah, because it was, you know, improve your life. It's a scramble for heaven's sake. Now, who's the best player of that group right there? Um, Werfel probably would have been a medalist had we played our own ball. Did you get goosed right there? What happened there? No, I was uh, somebody, sending – that was a picture to from Danny. Behind? Danny and I, I used to do games, as you all know, with James Bates, the Florida national champion linebacker who was a teammate of Werfel's. So we agreed to limit the James Bates stories yesterday, of which there are plenty. So we had a we had a good time yesterday. Danny's good people, and of course he does an unbelievable job with Desire Street Ministries, all over the southeast, New Orleans, where we just were, one of their markets. Uh, now working with Florida in the Gainesville area, and also what he's done in Atlanta, and in particular in Decatur. So he is uh, he's special people now, Danny Worf. I don't know him. Yeah, good guy. Uh, all right, to the ACC. WNBA draft last night. I know you guys talked about it yesterday. We we hinted that tonight, meaning Monday yeah. night, was going to be the draft. I've got to tell you, I was surprised that there was only one ACC player selected in the first round. Again, that's now 17 consecutive years. Right. The conference has had a first-round pick. I thought there would be more, given the quality of the league. Yeah, I did too. I was a bit surprised. Uh, Emily Inksler was the fourth overall pick of the Indiana Fever, who had uh, like a – like a like a limb or two of picks. They had like four. They had six. They had eight in the first round. So Emily Inksler, Syracuse originally, transferred for the year at Louisville for Jeff Walls, becomes the fourth overall pick of the draft uh, and the only first-round pick. Remember, there are only 12 teams in the WNBA. So the second round, 16th overall pick, Kiana Smith out of Louisville. Alisa Kunane of NC State went 17th to the Seattle Storm. And one pick later, Seattle took Lorella Kubai of Georgia Tech and then traded Kubai to the New York Liberty. So Lorella Kubai is headed to Gotham City. And then in the 20s, Kayla Jones of NC State to Minnesota, Asia Shepard of Virginia Tech to Las Vegas, 
And Maya Dodson was early in the third round out of Notre Dame. She goes to the Phoenix Mercury. I thought Maya would be picked earlier than that. But nevertheless, congratulations yeah. to all those fine ladies. Yep. Uh, terrific careers. And uh, hopefully they are chasing their dream, making yep. a lot of money, and loving what they do playing hoops. Yeah. Emily Inksler, uh who's been with us a couple different times, great story, mm-hmm. uh, maximized her transfer situation no for doubt. sure. No doubt. And, and played great, and, of course, before filing out in her last game. But uh, she's a tremendous player. And, mm-hmm. like I said, congratulations to all the ladies. Yep. Uh, there's Jeff Walls with a tweet for Emily Inksel last night. And, of course, the draft. WNBA does it right now. Uh, what, they have, like, 20 different girls, I guess, in, uh, in New York or something like that last night for the draft. So, uh, congratulations to Emily and off to the Indiana Fever. So there you have it. There you have it. Indiana uh, Fever. I wonder what the backdrop is, uh, background for that nickname. Maybe basketball fever in the state of Indiana. Indiana Fever? I don't know. Yeah. Brother Fuller, what's up, Brother Fuller? What'd you do to Brother Fuller? I didn't do anything to Fuller. You sure? I promise you. Fuller's done something to me this morning. Well, I will tell you this much. <laughs> you know, Drew Carter was over here. He petted Fuller the entire show. Did he? Yeah. Fuller and I are fine. All right, just, Chester clearly shaking up our retirement. Oh, no, he's just, he's bummed out. He was waiting <laughs> for Hilly Van Lith. I mean, you know, that's his girl. Yeah. Well, that's next year. Yeah. It's yeah. the same. My boy over there, it's, he loves him a little Haley Van Lith. All right. Uh, off and running we are on a Tuesday, huh? Good show coming up, by the way. Tom Luganville well, will be here. How can it be a bad show? We got uh, whiskey on the, on the <laughs> we counter. We got a lot of whiskey. Uh, Tom Luganville coming up at 8 o'clock. Uh, Miami baseball coach Gino Damari at 9.30. How about morning. the Canes, man? Are they rolling? They're rolling. Officially rolling. straight. Yep. Saw they ranked number two in both baseball polls that came out yesterday. ACC with four in the top ten. More than anybody else yeah. in the country. Four in the top ten. And uh, Mark and Drew had a great visit with Lars Tiffany yesterday and Jenny Levy. You'll see those as well as part of a Tuesday show. Excellent. And we'll get some of your calls, 844-SAY-ACCN. All right. When we come back, though, this might be content that's in our wheelhouse, too. You know, there's some video out of Frank Beamer and Brent Pry at the grill. And it started us down that road of, huh, coaching, cooking, combinations next on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Medium rare. Now, coming from the country and growing up around cattle, uh, some people would think, well, no, he would like to have his steak well done. But I learned early on to get the flavor of a good steak you need to have it medium rare. Maybe maybe uh, up to just a little pink in the middle. Okay. I think he's right. He's right. I mean, if you have a great piece of meat, yeah. he's 1,000% right. Mm-hmm. That's, Frank knows what he's talking about. Is that right? That's the way you, that's a man that's the way you touch it right there. Well, I don't like it medium, like rare, rare. Right. I need a little something, something on it. But just, you. you know, but he's right. Just a little bit past medium rare to me is perfect. Okay. But if it's a great piece of meat, there's no need to smash it. Gotcha. He's right. All right. So if you saw this on social media last week, I'm sure many Virginia Tech fans did. Frank Beamer and Brent Pry went to the grill cooking steaks. Like everything about this. And uh, it begs kind of a question on the famous Packer and Durham program. 
which former current coach tandem at your school would you most want to spend time with at the grill? So Brent Pry, you got to fit Brent Pry. Does Brent Pry half step anything? I'm beginning to think no. Don't you? I already like the salt and pepper because yeah. there's no need to get cute with it. I mean, again, if it's a great piece of meat, salt, yeah. pepper, again, for about right. four and a half minutes on each side, flip it, let it rip, let so, it rest, and then eat it. All right. Swallow so, whole. So what we did was we asked you which coach tandem <clears throat> at your school would you like to see at the grill? And we got great answers. Uh, Dave Wilcox said, I think Dave Clawson and Jim Grobe could probably be an outstanding cookout. Clawson the footy, and I think footy and Jim knows his way around the grill. I'd be glad to attend. Plus, there'd be great stories. I don't disagree with any of that. Well, I, here's how I answered the question. I went Dave Clawson and Steve Forbes. I, I went with current guys. I didn't go old school, one guy's retired. Right. First of all, Dave Clawson, it may be foodie number one. Absolutely. Right. Do you agree with that? Yes. And we've almost every interview we've ever had with him eventually involves food in right. some shape or form. Mm -hmm. And I'm figuring that Clawson would be fantastic as a chef. Right. Right. And Forbes, I don't know if Forbes has any ability whatsoever, but he would tell a great story. I think Wake has, to me, the combo <laughs> for this question. I think the Clawson Forbes combination behind a grill, because I can see Forbes with basically. I don't know, maybe a beverage or two in each yeah. hand while Clawson's doing the work behind the grill. All right, well. I would trust that. I think a lot of people are also thinking maybe a current coach and a former coach, right? And I get that part, too. In fact, our production folks have had some fun with All this. right, can I, if, that's the, if that's the deal, well, hold on a second. Before we get to <laughs> the youngster people, uh, if that's the case, I'm still going to go Dave Clawson, and I'll go Ralph Friedgen. Ralph Friedgen. <laughs> okay. All right, here's here's Davo Sweeney and Danny Ford though. Uh, uh young yeah. people, uh, <laughs> Dabo Parson people, <laughs> hamburger for you, uh, steak people uh, for me, Danny Ford. Uh, hemp uh, farm, hemp uh, farm people, people. Yeah. Okay. Now I got to tell you, there's one out there right now. I don't know. Either one of these guys can do anything. Oh, but gosh. Look at this. Tell me that wouldn't be hilarious. That would be a laugh. Pure right comedy. I, I don't know if either one, I don't, wouldn't trust Kremens behind anything with a flame. <laughs> that, that'd be the first thing. Uh, but Kremens would be a trip. And Pastor, enough said. Those two guys, I think they would just tell stories. That's what I think. And then Bobby would want to make sure he got the name right. What's the guy's name again? What's the, what's his name, Mark? Oh, those two guys Mark, what's right his there. name? Those two guys right there would be oh, great at a cookout. That'd be pure comedy. Those two. Like I said, be. I'm not sure either one can cook a lick right. or grill at all, but they, they would be good. <laughs> I'm gonna eat Frank it. with the Chardonnay, I'm not sure about the Chardonnay. Frank's a, Frank can have a red. Well, I was going to say, you got to go red. Yeah, you got to go red if you're having red meat now. Meanwhile... I don't think that's a Photoshop on Pry. That looks like the real deal. He looks like the Midnight Rider right yeah, he there, does. doesn't he? Yep. Yep. So, it. all right, 844-SAY-ACCN. Uh, ben Howell says, inside the Carolina family, Bill Dooley and Mac Brown. They knew how to bring people in. Outside the Carolina family, Jim Valvano and Jim Beheim. One guy to greet all the guests and make them feel welcome, and another guy to serve the food. Yeah, but you know, I thought the question is we got to have a grill master in here somewhere. 
Would you trust any of those guys in their prime grilling? Uh, Mac Brown grilling? Outstanding you college football you, you just, player. You just did the, the North Carolina Spring. You, I, think you, Bill you, Dooley, I think Bill Dooley would be a good grill How about guy. Mac? You think Mac's got any grill yeah, possibilities? Yeah, I think Mac does some grilling. You do? Some. Some, yeah. He and Sally with kids and everything. Come on, grandkids. Come on, man. Yeah, he coached at Texas. That doesn't mean anything. Bill Dooley now at the old Pines. It seems like everybody. It Chapel seems Hill. like everybody's been coaching at Texas lately. That doesn't seem to be a necessarily a prerequisite. Uh, this ain't Daryl Royal we're talking coach, about. Here. When Coach Dooley was at Carolina, you remember the Rat on Franklin Street? That place they used to have steaks at the Rat. Yeah, but doesn't mean he grilled them. Uh, you never know. Coach Dooley might have gotten back in there on a recruiting weekend. You think Dave Dorn's good on the grill? Yes. I, th- I think Dave yes. Dorn would be good on Dave the grill. Dave Dorn's good on the grill. Dorn yes. looks like he'd be good on I, the grill. I can confirm some of that. I, I know Pat Narduzzi's good on the grill. He's talked about that. Okay. What about like, think about this. You had coaching combinations on the field. What about coaching combinations cooking, like on the same staff? Like Bobby Bowden oh. and Mickey Andrews. Jonathan, Claude Fighter. Is that right, Jonathan? Claude Felter, sorry. Bobby Bowden, Mickey Andrews. Mickey could duft off from recipes from his former restaurant, Goal Line Barbecue, and Bobby would have kept everybody entertained. Uh, that'd be a good combination. That would be a good I'm one. I'm buying that. That's a good one, Jonathan. I'm Excellent. buying that. Uh, <clears throat> Ridge Sink, who says, already took place with Beamer and Pry cooking steaks. You can't improve that. I don't know about that now. Yeah, that's why we're asking the question. Be fun. Your school. Pick your two, right? Former coach, current coach, players, combinations. I mean. Wait, Tony Bennett's doing dessert, right? He's got the cookies. We go Tony Bennett with the cookies. Tony Bennett's making chocolate. There's a big cookies. difference between being a grill master and a baker. That's it. Those are two separate categories. Yeah. Remember now, the Lindstroms are known to get on the grill. We've seen it. Yeah. So we got kind of a precedent but, set but this, for You're players. asking about coaches, not I know, players. but, man, I'm thinking we can – we could offer the full service here if we're not careful. All right. Now, you know, here- apparently, is, is really good on the grill is my master's pick, Stuart Sink from the ACC. He is very good. He is a, uh, He's a competitive barbecue. That's what I'm talking yep. about. I know that for a fact. He and his buddy, Chad Parker. Who was uh, director of golf at East Lake, competitive barbecue. Uh, and I understand he's really good. It's very good. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, let me go through one more. Susan Ortega says, Jenny Levy? How about this? We do. Levy and Barnes, UNC women's lacrosse. Barnes, tremendous foodie. Okay. Oh, how about that? All right. Packer and Thank you for that. I wish I knew that yesterday. Yes, there you go. All right. Now, not Blouser. This might be one of my favorite uh, Twitter handles here. Flips to Lemke. Because Jeff Blouser and Mark Lemke <laughs> used to be the double play combination of the Braves. He says Steve Forbes and Bones McKinney. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Bones' cooking expertise. I can ask Billy. You need to ask Billy that. And we has Forbes ever talked to us about cooking? I don't – my – and I could be a 1,000% wrong. Okay. But I remember when, when Coach Forbes got to Wake Forest, I think we talked about he, he didn't know where to go eat. And right. I, I don't sense that Steve Forbes is a grill master. I, I think he could tell stories. I think he could absolutely supply a great tailgate. Right. Uh, I, I, I could be 100% wrong on this, but I'm not sensitive. I know Kloss. That's why Kloss and Forbes was my answer. Right. 
Because Clawson, I know, can get the job done. And right. I think Forbes can tell some fantastic stories. I, I think we need to know a little bit more about Forbes's cooking proficiency or lack thereof. I'm sensing uh, I'm sensing baked beans, hot dogs. Are you? That's what I'm thinking. Burgers. That'd be about the extent of it. I, and not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Because man can certainly survive on that. <laughs> yes. Believe me. Yes. I've been for many a decade. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, keep that coming. Eight four four say ACC and your tweets. Welcome through the ten o'clock hour. Um, when we come back, uh, press conference yesterday in Louisville to cement Nolan Smith's arrival as an assistant coach with Kenny Payne. You'll hear some quotes from Nolan and from KP. When we continue, Packer and Durham's Tuesday on ACC Network. I want to introduce you guys to the new assistant coach uh, with the Louisville Cardinals, Mr. <clears throat> Nolan Smith. You know, as I talked about in the press conference, uh, the criteria that I was looking for, uh, the whole time I knew it was him. Love of young people, high character, dedicated to the craft, helping kids reach their dreams. All of that is him. And the big plus is that he's a family member. Um, I know that someone's looking down on us today, and Jerry Eves can attest to this, is smiling, and that's his father, uh, who taught me everything that I know. And to have him in this program, as I said earlier, his blood and spirit is back in Nolan. Mm. Love everything about this hire. Oh, yeah. I do. Absolutely. I, I just think everything about that feels good. I think if you're a Louisville basketball fan, like I said, I, I thought that the hiring of Kenny Payne put people at ease. Right. And Nolan Smith's a tremendous young basketball coach. He did a great job at Duke. Tremendous recruiter. Yep. The DNA makes a ton of sense. I think everything about right. this on the surface feels like a really good fit. I think so. I think the, the rumors of its potential – have now been met with the reality of it's happening, right? Um, I think a lot of people now, the enthusiasm and the energy with Kenny Payne's hire just kind of ramps up even more when you see Nolan Smith join the staff. And I think that's a big part of what Louisville has to be about as they return or try to make the return to prominence, not just in the ACC, certainly, but in college basketball. Uh, Kenny Payne referenced Nolan's dad, the late Derek Smith, who passed away unexpectedly in 1996. Uh, star of the 1980 uh, Doctors of Dunk, uh, then Kenny Payne, who later played on the 86 team. You know, that's what he means by Derek's mentorship. Uh, of course, Nolan's mom, Monica's a Louisville native. Both she and Nolan's sister are U of L grads. And uh, Nolan Smith talked about his relationship yesterday with Kenny Payne. I've been I've been blessed to have a lot of uncles, <laughs> but my dad passed away. You have one of them sitting right here, Uncle Jerry Eves, and so KP's been that been that for me since my dad passed away, even while he was alive. But especially when my dad passed away, I had a lot of people come into my lives, and Kenny Payne was one of those people that came into my lives that coached me in life, coached me in helping become a man, um, coached me in basketball as a player and then even now as a coach, somebody I can always call and to be a mentor. Um, we were just talking to one of them, Uncle William Wesley, Uncle Wes. I know he's probably watching right now. He said make sure I shout him out, but <laughs> 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 I 
I, I know he's a very happy man and proud man right now as well. Um, but he's he's meant everything to me. So, again, to be here with him now as we start this journey, that yeah, means a lot. Um, but there's no getting around the association with Duke, right? I mean, played at Duke's, coached at Duke, a uh, little bit of a professional career, comes back to Duke, all those things. I mean, so now the transition comes, and it's an emotional thing for Nolan Smith. It's obviously an emotional thing for a lot of Louisville people, right? And he talked about what it's like being out on the road now for Louisville and not Duke. I felt a lot of fear of, of opposing schools. And, and, and I'm serious, and it felt great. It felt great. A lot of people, like like Coach Payne said, like just saying congratulations, man, we're happy for you, and you and KP are gonna kill it. But then just walking past kids, and you hear them go, well, "That's that's Louisville." That's <laughs> yeah. Like there was just something about it that when Kenny Payne was hired, and then when he, when, he, when I was hired, it just felt a different feeling about this about this logo. And this week, and I really felt that. Uh, I think, no, again, not just an opinion. I don't mm -hmm. say this based on any inside information. Uh, Nolan would have been comfortable with Duke for a long time. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. Before he gets a chance to be a head coach. Sure. I don't think he would have ever left Duke for another assistance job unless it was Louisville. I agree with for that. For everything that you've just listened to in the last five minutes. I, and I, I think he will knock it out of the park at Louisville. I agree with that. I think he would have – I don't even think he leaves for Louisville unless it's Kenny Payne. That's probably true, too. But that's why I like the hire in both senses. I like mm -hmm. Kenny Payne. I think it's a natural fit for Louisville. They're going to need that with the unknown of the NCAA who's sound asleep again. Right. And Nolan has got such a great reputation with how he handles people. Right. We've had him on the show before. Sure, he's a great guy. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And you can understand why he's such a great recruiter as well because there is an easy connection when he walks into a room. So right. I, I think, like I said, I think that combination will do a great job. Yep, and now you, you see this part of the staff come together. We're going to watch the rest of it kind of germinate and see what happens there. Um, their recruiting prowess and the things that Nolan Smith did as part of Coach K's conglomerate and the things Nolan Smith – remember last summer was John Shire, Nolan Smith, Chris Carrawell. That was it. Mike Krzyzewski did not go on the road last summer to recruit because he was going to retire and not impact the young people they were recruiting. So – he made that decision, and John Shire, and they, that's why they had the, you know, the appointment of Shire as the head coach, so they could continue the recruiting. And Nolan Smith was a part of this class that's coming in for Duke, that's already number one in the country. I was going to say, and for the record, not that we're recruiting experts, but Duke has the number one recruiting right. class in the country. So this Shire guy seems to have a pretty good handle on the recruiting standpoint sure. too. And and just as interesting as Nolan Smith moving to Louisville is what will transpire with Duke. More on that, obviously, in the days to come. But let's talk about what Nolan Smith might have gleaned from being with Mike Krzyzewski and John Shire, and he talked about that yesterday as well. I think this his ability to adapt every single year, really from this is player and coach standpoint, he was able to adapt and change the way we played based on the roster. Every single year he didn't come in with the mindset, well, we're running these plays and this is what we're going to run. He looked at his players. We watched them in the summertime, watched them in, in the fall. Okay, let's let's see. Okay, let's try this offense. Uh, that might not work. All right, let's add a couple more plays. Maybe this fits best. And then midseason, 
we would do the same thing. So just always adapting and being being ready to change for the players. Just because as a coach, it's what you want to do. It might not be with the players. It might not make them the best players. And I think that's really what's made Coach K really, really great. Most of the issues that have happened here with the NCAA have been assistant coaches who've gone beyond the, the rules. How does Coach K monitor your uh, his assistants? And is there a, a suggestion that you would have to to prevent future issues? Yeah, Coach K never had to monitor us because he knows that we're all high-character guys, and he's always hired high-character guys. So when you have high-character assistant coaches, you don't have to monitor them. You know that they're going to do the right thing. They're going to have a great great relationship with, with their compliance officer at the school. Um, they're going to ask questions before they do anything. If they don't know, if they feel like it's a, maybe a step over the line, ask, ask before you do. But that's what high-character assistant coaches are supposed to do to make sure they're upholding the standards of the school and of the program. There you go. Okay. So, step one with Kenny Payne. Nolan Smith, we'll see what else happens with that staff. I think it all buys back into what you're saying. Louisville has to be a factor in this process. said it from day one. So I thought it was an incredibly important hire for not only Louisville, but right. also for the ACC as we go through this transition of, you know, Roy's now gone, Kay's now gone. Uh, you still got a couple great legendary coaches in the league mm -hmm. that are in their 70s. At some point in time, right. they're going to say it's time to go fishing or grill and we'll do whatever they want to do and chill on out. Uh, so this needs to work for Louisville. And, but for Louisville, they also need to find out from the NCAA, what's the deal? Are you going to hit us? Are you going to slap on the wrist? What are we doing here? I mean, mm -hmm. at some point in time, you got to get that answer and put it in your rearview mirror and get moving forward. Yeah, it feels like a, a, a more difficult position than it really needs to be. Josh Hurd's doing, obviously, everything he can. Uh, by the way, at the same time, that this assistant announcement is being mentioned. Um, I don't know if you saw this news report. There's a listening tour going on with the University of Louisville. Have you heard read about that? Mm -hmm. Where they're having uh, administrative folks gather and they're letting donors and boosters and that type thing gather to make comments about the future of the athletic department and things like that. So there's a lot of air traffic going on around the Louisville program still. Even though, as Josh Hurd's tried to calm the waters and he visited with us when we were in New Orleans, I, I enjoyed that visit, liked what he had to say, but you could still sense there's a little volatility in, in their water. But the, the easiest thing is they just need an answer. Correct. Right? You, you can't disagree. just keep walking on eggshells for year mm -hmm. after year after year and say, hey, listen, or, or, did we do something wrong? If so, what's the punishment? Right. Right. And every year that goes by, Everybody who's tied into the, to the program had nothing to do with whatever ills took place in the past. Right. So I, I, the NCAA should be embarrassed, number one, because if there's something wrong, mm -hmm. punish somebody. I mean, it's that simple. But yep. this thing that keeps dragging on and on and on, and this is true whether we're talking about Louisville or Kansas or LSU, fill in the blank. If there's something wrong, get to it. Yep. Right. And I know they've created this new arm and all that. All we do is just keep churning and wasting time. In the meantime, schools are sitting there going, all right, what are we supposed to do? How do we recruit? Right. It's almost as if you've already got the punishment before the announcement because when you try to hit the recruiting trail, people go, well, are you on probation? Are you going to be uh, sitting at home during the – I mean, you just got to get an answer. I think as soon as Louisville gets an answer, they can move forward yep. and put a lot of the concerns in the rearview mirror and get going down the road. Yeah, no, I'm with Crazy. you on that. be interesting to watch and see how – Kind of all this comes together. 
to the Duke point here before we give you one more basketball note. Um, it obviously leaves a gap for John Shire and how his staff is going to look. So he's got at least now two assistant spots he's got to fill. Because technically the only assistant he has on staff, <clears throat> excuse me, is Chris Carrawell. Because Nolan Smith is gone and John's obviously become the head coach. So that leaves two spots. Mike Schrage, who we talked about last week, is a special assistant to the head coach, is not a on-the-bench coach. All that being said, just keeping tabs on some of these uh, musical chairs for assistance, as we see. Does it seem to stop the recruiting train? No. All they're doing is no. lining yeah. up McDonald's <clears throat> All-Americas and top 25 recruits. Um, one final basketball note. Do you see this, that Dallas Walton now from Wake Forest is going to sign an agent and stay in the draft? Yeah. So his career at Wake Forest is over. Uh, and, again, here comes that that circus, right? In October, let me know what a roster looks like. You can give me all that you want. A couple they're, weeks before we go to the they're kickoff. coming back. They're staying. He's signed. He's not signed. Hey, whatever. A couple I, weeks for the tip-off. Just get you the roster. Middle of October. You yeah. just let me know what the roster yeah. looks like, and I'll give you an opinion. Right. I, in the meantime, I'm not going to – I am not wasting time on a daily basis worrying about the 2,000 people in the transfer portal because it changes to the point you just can't keep up with it. It is amazing. When we come back, uh, in case you missed the visit that uh, Pack and Drew had yesterday – Lars Tiffany, Virginia's lacrosse coach, join those guys from Charlottesville. Always fun to talk to Lars. You'll hear that next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. Might be an apropos song this morning with the way Fuller's feeling. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Uh, you guys had Lars Tiffany on yesterday. Yeah, Virginia. Lars is great. Kind of rolling. Uh, well, I mean, they bounced back off uh, the, the loss Richmond to Richmond loss, yeah. and uh, just totally dominated North Carolina with an incredible defensive effort. They are a really talented bunch. Yeah. So uh, you guys talked to Lars yesterday and Jenny Levy, both coming up here in the program. We're getting around to the spring sport championship stuff here now. I mean, we're yeah, about Jenny's, a month away from all that. Yeah, Jenny's bunch has only won 39 straight regular season games. They've been pretty good. Holy cow. Huh. She's something, isn't she? I mean, that's the thing about it. When you start looking at the league as a whole, you do a sample size in the fall, you get a sample size in the winter, and you get another sample size in the spring. And it's just phenomenal. And uh, congratulations to everybody. I am as uh, interested to see how it's going to shake out long term with the uh, – with the ACC when it comes to both the men's and women's side when we get to the national tournament as well. But Lars Tiffany, yesterday with Pac and Drew, and they started the conversation asking about that defensive performance against Carolina over the weekend. Lars, there's been a couple things since this network has been established that I think have been turned out to be really kind of cool. Number one, you got Friday night duels with wrestling, and wrestling finally gets a great exposure. Lacrosse, obviously, is getting a ton of exposure on the network, and also that means... Thursday night primetime games. Last year, the games were unfreaking believable. Like every single one of them was off the charts. You guys make that debut Thursday night against Duke. Uh, what do you know about Duke? Obviously, everybody's in the top 25 in this league, uh, and you guys are loaded, but this should be another great Thursday night special on ACC Network. Well, we certainly had one of those incredible epic battles last year. Uh, they came up here to Charlottesville and beat us in overtime in, a, uh, in a, an incredible game, you know. Um, just, just two, two heavyweights, uh, uppercuts, uppercuts, just throwing 
just haymakers at each other. And, uh, and, and we know that they're super talented. Uh, offensively, you know, who, who doesn't get a long stick or a, a six-foot defenseman? You know, that's a challenge. You know, in our sport, we can only have four of those, yet there's six offensive players we've got to deal with. And, and uh, trying to match that up is not going to be easy. Um, one of the best uh, in the business in the goal, and they're really talented in the face-off acts. Uh, their defense is athletic. It's, um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tremendous opponent. And so uh, uh, short week. Um, and being here in April, something we got to be smart about not beating on each other too much in practice. If, if, uh, if I'm guilty of anything, you know, as we develop these brave men, these warriors, uh, it's through tenacious practices. But this is the time of year I have to remind myself, all right, we have two games this week and, uh, and a big trip down to Durham. We, we've got to be careful. So um, taking care of our bodies and uh, getting ready for a fast-paced physical game Thursday night uh, down in Durham. Lars, you know, we just had a segment talking about Dabo Sweeney and his stance on the transfer portal. And, you know, building <laughs> that culture is incredibly important to him, where he has been slow to move from, from a transfer portal standpoint after put together championship teams. As far as this day and age of the student-athlete having more power and control than ever before, from a financial standpoint, from a, hey, I don't like the coach, I don't like the way we're going, I can get up and leave, and building a championship. Uh, tie it all in together in terms of what you're doing right now in Virginia? Mark, that's a great question, and it's very insightful because there is a concern. Don't want to bring in too many new people uh, outside of the incoming freshman class because you may change that culture. You may change the temperature uh, in the room drastically and go too far away from what you've been building so many years to create. So we have experimented with the transfer portal. Charlie Bertrand last year, Evans in this year. Uh, we have a commit from somebody for next year, an offensive player. Who They've all been graduates. So the graduate transfer, someone who's completed their undergraduate degree. Um, it doesn't mean we wouldn't go for an undergraduate transfer potentially in the future. But we've been hesitant. I understand Dabo's concern because he spent years and years building Clemson into a championship football program and he doesn't want to change the formula too much um, but, I, but I think he I would assume he and I know for myself we're always questioning that because you see so much talent available out there at the end of the season and we're seeing teams in college lacrosse do really well with a lot of transfers of course we're also seeing a little bit of the opposite and sometimes you wonder hmm, did it throw off the makeup and, and the chemistry of that program did it change the locker room a little too much too quickly so I really like the question, Mark, because it's something that's constantly in the back of our mind. We're fortunate. We have up to six of our men who are seniors right now who are going to return next year. They've made the commitment to be a fifth year here at Virginia. We'd rather do that model of maintaining our roster and coming back for fifth year than adding from outside. But then there's always a but. It's uh, if there's somebody out there who's, uh, who's going to really make a difference and they're the right type of guy. They're, they're, they're someone that we, we, we're going to spend a lot of time with these transfers. And if we think they can blend in and support our culture, um, then we will, we will take those. And Charlie Bertrand and Evans have been fantastic, and they fit that model. Lars, when you say the right type of guy, what are the characteristics you're looking for in a transfer? Well, certain, for, certainly it starts off with being a fantastic lacrosse player because you know, we already have a, a really uh, strong team. So we're not just going to bring somebody in who can't help us win games. But then in terms of their quality of the character, they've got to be adaptable. 
We're not looking for someone to come in here and be an agent of change, to be too loud in a locker room. Yes, we want their voice. And, I, and Charlie Bertrand did a fantastic job of that. He'd been a two-time captain at Merrimack. And early on, we realized he had a wealth of ideas. But we needed those ideas initially to be shared via the captains. And then we brought Charlie into our leadership group, the Sabre Committee, because we realized he had such good ideas. So it's, it's somebody who's, who can, again, adaptable, mendable, as opposed to rough around the edges and is going to sort of bully a room because they're like, whoa, whoa, fella, that's not what we're looking for. We've already got a, a, a way of speaking with each other and, and a united front that's really important to us. Um, and so it's a, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's, it's interesting because we want men to share their voice. We want to be collaborative in our decision making with how we're going to play offense and defense in our team meetings. And so we want that voice, but we, you just can't be too, too impactful and too disruptive. Tell you what, you learn something every time Lars. I told him that yesterday. He's, he's a fascinating guy, man. And yep. a great coach. And here they oh, go again. No question about that. And now, remember, you know, a year ago, it was a little bit more maybe skewed offensively. And now, like you said, they're locking people down. Well, they locked North Carolina yeah. down. I mean, they held the heels to four goals. And Chris Gray is just – he's phenomenal. But, you know, let's take a look at the ACC uh, men's lacrosse standings. Then I've got some breaking news for you from over the weekend. Uh, here it is. Virginia 4-0 and in the league, 8-2 and overall. Notre Dame, 2-1. and one. Then you see Duke, Syracuse, Carolina, fill out the card in the ACC. Uh, Kevin Corrigan, by the way, of the Irish, joining us later this week. So, Was that the breaking news? No, no. Um, there were folks who saw your rowing rankings on Friday last week. Are they upset about it? No, no. Just wanted a little point of clarity for you, and I wanted to share this with you. Do you know that when you have the rowing rankings – you're technically um, <laughs> you're you're technically um, ranking the women because crew is the men's sport, rowing is the women's sport. Did you know that? I did not. I now I, know it. I know, and I did not either. But I wanted to share that with you. Okay. The NCAA has the rowing championship, which is for women. The crew is for men. Okay. So when you have your rowing rankings, you're specifically ranking the women's teams. Okay. I will be corrected on Friday. Okay. Updated. I don't know if there'll be a lot of change. but I, I can already tell you there'll be a change. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to be a change. I can tell you right now what number 10 is going to be. I can t- no, here's what, it, here's what it is. Okay. Because I'm going to give you the top 10. We've got nine teams in the league. Yes, we do. Right. So now I can tell you right now number 10. 10. No crew allowed in the, new ra- in the rowing rankings. <laughs> No crew. No crew for you. There it is. Yeah. I'll have the new updated rankings coming I, Friday. Friday I appreciate again. the update. Yeah, well, I just wanted to share that with I you. I appreciate that. I'm, and I'm that came with I'm someone learning something new about this sport every day. Came from a former conference administrator who oversaw rowing and crew. Excellent. Now I learned something. Yeah. So Friday will be Pac-Man's top 10 rowing rankings. Yeah. And number 10 will be no, no crew, crew for you. Yeah, no crew for you. Uh, when we go to the 8 o'clock hour, ladies and gentlemen, the spring return of the Blue Ostrich. Finally. Tom Luganbill joins us. Now that Hoops is over. Well, Tom. It's, it's like uh, Groundhog's Day. Tom, 
Basketball ends. We cut down the nets. One shining moment. Luganville reappears. Well, it's you know here's the interesting thing. Tom was disappointed he's not going to be able to talk to about college basketball, but he's happy to discuss football. Next on Packer and Durham. Thank you for listening to the Packer and Durham podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.